Uh, this is AJ. This is Bryce. And we are Filter, No Filter Brothers. And today we have Derek, Derek <laughs> on here. And this podcast is, I'm not a sinner just because I'm gay. And we want to dive into that avenue. And actually, um, Derek, won't you just um, introduce yourself to our audience? Um, so my name is Derek Terry. I am the pastor of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Cincinnati. I have been in Cincinnati about nine years now from Louisville, Kentucky, originally. And yeah, I'm black. I'm queer. I'm a Christian pastor. And I pretty much spent the bulk of my life's work encouraging other people to be their authentic selves and to love who they love and to not be pressed about how other people feel about them, whether it's positive or negative. So, yeah. So, have did you grow up with a positive church experience with, uh, I'm going to say, we're, we're going to call the LGBT population community. Uh, you know, growing up, was it accepted in the church that you were raised in? No. What it, was that like? It was not. It was weird. So we definitely had gay people in the church. And I, I tell people that the church is the first don't ask, don't tell. Because actually, I feel like the black church has always had gay people and is actually quite accepting. What they're not accepting of is you being out or proud of that or open with that sometimes. I even had a, a gay pastor growing up. Now, of course he wasn't out, but anyone who knew, knew that he was he was gay. Um, and so it was, it was extremely difficult to hear sometimes some of the stuff that people would say. And I'm not even necessarily sure that I knew I was gay at that time. But when I was struggling with my sexuality, I would remember some of the stuff that people said and thought. And so I had a really positive upbringing in the church, but there was always that other side of it that if people know this, then they won't like you, they won't love you, God doesn't like you, God doesn't love you. So it's, it's really, the, the black church is really interesting in that way. Because on the one hand, you're encouraged to be creative and use your gifts in the church. But on the other hand, you know that if you cross that line, how some people might feel about that or even how you perceive God might feel about that. And why do you think that is the case? Like why are, you know, you, you have spiritual people, you have religious people, you have ministers. Why do they shame the gay population more so than adulterers or alcoholics or abusers why is that the gay population like their target i think it's an easy target it's really easy to focus on the stuff that you don't do right and say how they do it well some do it you're right some do it but there's a whole lot of people who it's it's about their how other people how other people perceive them not who they actually are so the church is really, really good at encouraging people to manage perceptions instead of actually being who you are. So you'll have people show up in church in their finery and, you know, they don't cuss, they don't drink, they don't do any of this. But then outside of the church, they're a completely different person. And but it's 
that isn't that contradictory to who God really is, who Jesus really is? Absolutely. And that does not stop humans from being human. But absolutely. Right. Now, when did you come to terms with your own sexuality and, and didn't hide or discover that you actually were gay? I was 26. I was pastoring a church. I was... Dating. You were pastoring? church at 26 I was, I was pastoring a church i got my first church when i was 20 actually i was in so, wow um so yeah i was pastoring a church i had a longtime girlfriend and my childhood pastor who i knew to be gay was murdered um brutally murdered stabbed like 50 times and it was like a whole gay for pay situation oh okay and i just remember like so that happened in like September, October. And I had been struggling, like, am I gay? Am I not gay? There was, you know, I was in therapy. There was some sexual abuse I experienced early in life. And I was trying to figure out, you know, like what that meant. And I just remember thinking, like, had he been able to live his truth and not have to deal with that seedy, like, you know, the the hiding of it. He may okay. have been killed. Now, of course, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, but I just remember thinking that. And that was the first time, what if I'm gay? Like, I actually thought, what if I'm gay? And I went out um, just on a dinner date with a guy for the first time. And I was like, okay, I'm definitely gay. Okay. And All right. So that was 10 years ago, I guess. Okay. So when did you come out to your family first or did you come out to everybody at the same time? I came out in pieces. Okay. So to so at 26 to like like one of my other mothers. You know how you have like your mama that you got, you know, people who blood wouldn't make you any closer. Right. Came out to her, like friends. Um, I didn't come out to my family and community until four years later. Um, but yeah, I came out in stages. Like when I came to Cincinnati, it was shortly thereafter I came to Cincinnati to pastor the church that I'm at now. And I told them that I was gay and, you know. Um, did you tell them before you got the position or did you tell them after? I told them before. Um, yeah, I did not want that bothering me, you know. I was like, okay, who I am. And the United Church of Christ is the same denomination Pastor um, Leslie is in. It's very progressive. Mm -hmm. And the church that, that I pastor is multicultural. So it's half white, half black and brown. So I was like, you know, I'm black, I'm gay. I was At the time, I was like 26, 27. Um, so, if, you know, if you if you hire me, this this is what you're getting, you know? And um, how did how did they receive that? They were cool with it. I, when they called and said, "Hey, we voted, you know, unanimously to hire you," I was like, "What? Like for real?" Um, did you lose any members at that church because of that? No, we lost members because we started doing race and social justice ministry. So the gay thing, they were cool with it was some of the race and social justice work 
that that caused a slippage in membership. And so was that bring that mission to the church or was it something that the board decided they needed to tackle? I decided that we needed to tackle it. I brought it to the church because mm-hmm. with us being multicultural, it's really easy. This church was founded in 1876 by German immigrants. So they had that old German white uh, way of doing things. That, that was, you know, the foundation of the church. And we say we're multicultural, multiracial, but basically what that meant when I got here was that the white people, the black people come and do what the church has always done, which is a very white centered way of worship and, you know, managing ministry. And so I said, if, if, if we're going to be diverse, we have to be just diverse through and through. And it's not just assimilating to whiteness, but actually understanding what each culture brings. And that's difficult because most churches are very much the same, you know, like everybody at this church, they pretty much vote the same. They look the same. They shop the same. They may live in different neighborhoods, but their values are the same. My church is completely diverse. So we got Republicans, we got Democrats. Um, we have working class, we got middle class, we have very educated, um, we have not so educated, and that calls some, you know, interesting dilemmas, because gay, straight, trans, but all voices had to be heard, and so some people weren't willing to do that work, you know, so that was, that was the issue. And so at your church, if I came to your church on Sunday, mm-hmm. how, and I'm in the community, the LGBT community, how would I feel welcome at your church? Uh, you would come and you would see pride flags outside um, before you even got in the church. And as soon as you walked in the building, even though it's a traditional looking building, we work really hard to make sure that our art and um just the icons that you see reflect not only who we are, who we say we are. So you'll see, you know, affirming verbiage and language uh, everywhere. And people will love that you are there. You'll see same gender loving couples, you know, with their arms around each other in church. Um, It's just, it's very normal. Do you have a picture of white Jesus in your church? So that is the Man, let me tell you. <laughs> so glad that you asked that because Gus gave a whole workshop on this. So, right. We have two. See, that's going to tell me how progressive your church really is. So here we go. We have two ginormous windows in our sanctuary that were put in. The building was built in 1921, and both windows were put in in 1925. Um, and they are two ginormous Jesus um, uh, stained glass windows. Tell me painted them black. No, we have not painted them black. So that's, so with those two huge ginormous Jesuses, um, we competed with them by bringing in two, well, three now. Hold on, somebody's knocking. By bringing in three ginormous Kahinde Wiley stained glass of black people 
um, in, I don't know if you know, if you're familiar with the author, with the painter Kahindi Wiley, he does these really classic European paintings that he um, puts like regular black people in these very classic poses. And he did a stained glass window series. And so we have images all throughout the church and especially in the sanctuary that compete with the two giant Jesuses. It's just too expensive for us to paint it right, right now. We had members that were willing to go to Hobby Lobby and buy some brownie. <laughs> Hobby Lobby. He said Hobby Lobby. <laughs> all right, first of all, not Hobby Lobby. Second of all, nah, we, if we do it, we gotta do it right. So yeah, we do have white Jesus. But we've worked really hard to, I don't know, compete is the only word I can think of to use with those to, you know, to say this is not who we think Jesus is. And we got black Jesus, brown Jesus um, all over the church as well. Now, how, how do you go about reaching out to the young gays? Oh, if you know, please tell me what to do. Okay. Um, it's hard. Um, yeah, it's really what, hard. What do you think some of the obstacles that you would have to come over to do that? Because we, we want to make this informative and we kind of have a broad based audience. And so we just want to come up with some suggestions that maybe we can throw out for them if you have any. So I've tried through relationship building. I've tried through... Um, we do a lot of forums and discussions. So I've actually tried to, you know, have panels and, hey, I'll pay you to do this. And, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, some of those were somewhat successful. Um, have you been to the gay clubs? I have not. Okay, maybe that's an avenue to go hand out some tracks and invite some people from the clubs. I just like professionally speaking, I think people respond more to social media ads than I feel like when people are in the clubs, they ain't trying to hear about church, but I could be wrong. Well, I, I think, well, you're dealing with a popcorn generation where everything has to be very quick and fast. That's very true. So Saturday night is probably prime opportunity, them coming out. And it may be something different if they saw the minister coming out to them, reaching out. That. Right. And remember, it's Saturday night, the Sunday morning is right around the corner. <laughs> so they can just get up and see your track and, and end right. up at your church. That's true. And now that most people are online, that's a that's a you know, that's a huge way to connect. And that's one of the that's one of the best ways that, that we've connected is through social media. Do you have like a a, a group? that you have at your church, maybe a ministry that appeals to the community? We do not, actually, we do not. Okay, so throwing out some ideas that, that may work. Um, what is your major struggle as a pastor um, pushing this mis mission, multiculturalism, acceptance of single gender uh, same gender loving uh people what is your struggle the biggest struggle that i have is it's still very um i'm still a human right 
So I get lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of flack and hate from people who don't like what I teach or preach, don't understand it. Um, And so sometimes it can be very disheartening. And what's really frustrating is when I get it from our community, from the actual Black queer community. That's really, really, really frustrating. Hmm. Also, sometimes either even other Black queer clergy, I find can be rather conservative in their theology. So it's like they are pro, you know, you can be gay and be a Christian, which is awesome. They're pro, you can be gay and be a minister which is awesome. But sometimes there's sexism there, you know, they may not believe in female ministers. Um, sometimes their theology is very, very, very conservative. And I get that. It makes sense to me on an intellectual level why why that's the case. But that can be really frustrating too. Now, are, are you speaking nationwide or is that local? Nationwide. Okay. Now, from, from your viewpoint, um, because we, we have a, a lot of people who may be churchgoers, but are how, how is it that people can go to church and then they they get abused from the pulpit on certain sermons when they're gay bashing, right? Or bashing the community as a whole, or not accepting of trans people. Um, what would be some advice you can give to the audience on how to deal with that? Because it's one thing to be bashed from the pulpit. It's nothing to be bashed from the pulpit, and the person who's bashing is also gay. Right. So, what are some suggestions on that? I always tell people to find another church. I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten to debates with people on this, but my philosophy is if people, if the church that you attend does not allow you or encourage you to show up as your full authentic self. You can't get the spiritual, emotional um, healing protection and, and, and deliverance or what have you that you need if you don't feel safe in that space spiritually. So I think you should find a church that will not only accept, but also affirm you. Um, so that's what I always say. And I can't tell you how many times people have referred people to me. I remember a, a young lady once, she was a musician at the church. She loved the church. She, you know, was over the youth choir. She married uh, the love of her life, which happened to be a woman. And the pastor found out and, you know, told her that she could continue to be a musician, but she couldn't be over the young people's choir and you know there were all these stipulations and I was talking to her and I told her you know if I were you I wouldn't continue to serve as a musician and here's why and she said no no you know I love the church and I love the kids and I don't want to let them down and I'm like but after having this difficult conversation it's going to be really hard for you to go in there and play you know and what he's saying is I want your gift but not the truth of who you are right so she goes church that Sunday and she breaks down crying. She's not able to do it. She ends up, you know, leaving, going to an affirming ministry. She's doing really, really, really well. And I've had people to tell me, oh, you know, Rosa Parks and Martha Luther King and this and that. And I'm like, 
the church as a private institution, if the church and the powers of that church do not want to affirm gay people, to me, it's spiritual violence to try to force, try to try to force that um, to happen. I think there are so many affirming ministries that we can find. Unfortunately, if you're in a small community, I know you probably have listeners all over the country. If you're in a small community, that may not be easy, but I have resources and websites like gaychurch.org where you can find churches that you can log into online that will help you find people in your community, help you find stuff, um, even if you're in a small rural area. But I, I just now we're, we're we're well we're global. Um, but how how would you deal with the people who are in mega churches who are gay and don't feel that accepted? But they and everybody know like maybe the minister of music is gay because and just because he doesn't um, really say he's gay, but everybody know it. How how do you? deal with that because most of our listeners probably probably go to church and are closeted mm-hmm. so how how can you help with that or ask, in another word because you have a lot of people who go to church and I'm speaking from some experiences where you may go to church and some people try to hit on you at church so how do you deal with that aspect and, and try because you make you form relationships wherever you are right. so it's a big place where they tell men to go to church and find a woman. So, but most of the time you can go to church and find a man. Um, so how do you, how do you deal with that? I still, I guess I, I was closeted for four years and trying to pastor and, you know, I, I didn't date, didn't do anything. And I know what that does to a person to feel like you can't be your total authentic self. And I know that there are different levels of coming out and that some of us are out in certain areas and not out in other areas. And so I I am just of the belief that if you can find a place where you can be your full self, it, it, it's weird to me and maybe I'm getting older, I don't know it's weird to me to go to a place where there's that you know, that like secret society or the secret world of the club of gays in the mega church um, I just, I don't think it's a spiritually healthy um, thing to do so I would not encourage that but I also know that you know people are going to do what people are going to do in our community when it is when you have been historically so ostracized and criticized and demonized and all these things we find ways to connect with people in any situation well well that's true because I know when it used to be the major um, gospel convention here in the city that was the major weekend for people to meet other people so and i thought it was very interesting that you know they can be from different denominations but when they go to another city they get footloose absolutely i have so many friends 
that are gay I call it gay away so you know when they're in their city they're closeted they're you know maybe even family you know men but when they travel um they are gay like real gay and sometimes participate in some stuff that's really not safe really not healthy because they're trying to get it you know get it all in get it out of their system or or what have you like what um (laughs) so you know meet up with randoms just randomly hooking up with people maybe not practicing the safest you know um and whatnot and yeah i've i've had several friends in and out of the church and i'm like dude you know Mm. you know I want to play i want to play a quick game with you i just looked up uh a few passages that condemn homosexuality and i want to get your professional statement about these um different bible verses and you probably know them already i know them i may i may not remember the exact theological um retort but That's a, i'm gonna give you a look i'm gonna give you as much as i can Okay, the, the common one, Noah and Ham. That's Genesis 9, 20, 27. What would you say about that to make somebody feel a little better about that verse? Do you read the verse? Nope, not right now. A <laughs> <laughs> thousand verses of the Bible. You're gonna skip that one. Um, okay, the more common one, Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. This is what people use in the pulpit to condemn gay people. And so that whole story of Sodom and Gomorrah, what would you say to like refute that? So usually when people come to me and say, well, the Bible says this, I'm like, yeah, it does. Um, but we have to look at the historical um, and the economic, the social, the political uh, foundation of that particular text and why it was there. And most argue that Sodom and Gomorrah is not a um, retaliation against homosexual behavior, but most theologians believe it's a retaliation against inhospitality, the way that the angels, the strangers um, were treated. There are different theories and different ways of interpreting scripture. And I believe that the Bible is allegorical, mythological, and symbolic, which means that I don't have to believe and I don't have to teach that it is the uncompromising, unrefutable, because it's it's from a human. You know, when we say the King James Bible, that was because King James said, okay, let's make a Bible. And there's all the social, political, economic, um, stains of his particular time his particular season and so that that's that's what i always 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 um put out there and that god is love every single time we can use the bible to build or we can use the bible to destroy now now okay i'm not my second verse oh you're on your second verse leviticus the laws of um, condemning same-sex relationships. That's Leviticus 18, 22, somewhere around there. So that's that's still a very literal interpretation 
So, and the reason why I'm asking this is because this is what's used. This is used as a weapon. It is. Barber text. That's what we call it. It's the community. And so somebody who might not be of a, I say a strong mind, might believe it and then feel bad about themselves. Absolutely. And, and so how do you, you know, you, you have a church that's accepting. What if a uh, person in the community come to you and say, but wait, Noah and Ham was wrong. Levitical laws condemn same-sex relationships. You know, it's almost them that having the self-hate against themselves. And that, and, and that having to reverse all of those things, we study books like God and the Gay Christian, with mm-hmm. all the different theological ideas, because it's, it's 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 a reprogramming, and it takes a long time. But we look at those texts and we break down the Greek, the Hebrew, the different terms for love and the different ways um, that it's different. We show in the Bible, in Greek and Hebrew, where there were relationships that we might be able to call same gender loving. We show how those texts, when those texts showed up um, in the Bible, we show that the word like homosexuality didn't show up in a Bible until the 1940s. And so we talk about that and we look at why the books of the Bible made it into the Bible and why others didn't. And so it, it really is, but, but all of that, even doing all of that, at the same time you're empowering people with with new knowledge it's it's also attacking everything that they've thought and been taught and learned in the church right and that causes difficulties because you know we've been if you've been trained and you know these bible verses and they've helped you and they've gotten you through we're giving you a completely new theology to hold on to and 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 to uh, free yourself from that way of thinking that is attacking you. And I can't tell you, I've, I've encountered people where we've done this work and then after doing study, they've gone back and said, nope, God doesn't want me to be this way because the Bible says this, this, that, and the other. And, and I have to accept that. You know what I'm saying? Like that, I don't believe that. But if that's what somebody believes, all I can do is give them the information I learned in school in hope that they can find freedom in that. But what is, what is comforting text to you for the community? Like what, what Bible verse would you say or recommend someone reading? Um, For me, a very familiar passage of scripture, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. It's just that idea that whatever I go through, God is with me. When I was on the Yanla, um, Yanla said, there are going to be people who never, ever will sit under you as their pastor, who will never want to go to your church, who will say you're nasty, a pedophile, or this, or that. Um, but you have to be secure and know who you are. And even if you're wrong, you're going to meet a forgiving God. And 
that was really powerful to me, right? I don't think I'm wrong, but nobody thinks they're wrong, right? But at the end of the day, God is still love. God is still with us. God still walks with us. And that that's what that's what pulls me through. And that that's now, what how do you deal with the people who come at you and say you're part of the gay agenda? Because <laughs> the big thing they're saying, like, you can't have any TV show without a gay character or anything like that in a movie or anything like that. So how do you combat that right now? Because that's one of the big things now. It's like everything has a gay agenda attached to it. Um, so, you know, when I get hate, sometimes I take the high road like Michelle Obama told us. Sometimes I don't. You know, I'm I'm human. <laughs> I'm, I'm, okay, so we we want to we want to talk to the human side right now, <laughs> and because I mean we we're most of our listeners are are want to know the real deal. So when you're at that point where you're being straight up real, and someone come with you raw, do you go back at them because they just caught you at that time? So or better yet, tell us what you would tell your good friend. Right. So usually what I say when I when in my clapback, no judgment. No, 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 not at all. Usually what I say in my clapback is that no one gets no one has God's clipboard. Like you are not God. You don't get to decide what God does to or with me. Usually when people say stuff, they take that one thing that they know about you that they don't agree with and they've they've decided in that one thing who you are and what's going to happen to you in life and in death. And so I'm like, who, you know, who the hell are you? Like you, your opinion cannot condemn or condone. And that, that's one of the things I really try to get through people's heads. I think a lot of people are looking for somebody to agree with them and People, you know, people come to me all the time and say, oh, my mama said this. Can you give me a scripture? And I'm like, why? Why are you going to play the scripture game? Like, go back and forth. We can, I can find Bible verses. Well, for because, so in the black family, you know, you have that one in the house who know every single scripture and try to beat you down with the scriptures. And so they're trying to come back with other scriptures to come back with them. At. So you just I mean, keep going back and forth and you will not change their mind and they will not change your mind. I just encourage people, you have to be, when, when the Bible says be strong and take courage, that doesn't just mean in the physical stuff. It's like, and I tell families, I've told mothers before, oh, well, you know, my son's gay and I don't like that. And I'm like, but understand that means that your son might not come home for Thanksgiving or Christmas. Like you condemning them, you disagreeing with their lifestyle, it's not going to cause them to say, oh, well, my mama doesn't like this, so let me stop. It's going to cause them to find their own family and they're gonna be close with them in a way that they aren't with you. You will lose your child. And what you say, you can't unsay. They can't unhear. I just, I really, really, really shy away from debating scripture with people. Okay, so I have one thing to try to just throw at you. Because you know when you're when you're looking at the Bible, you're they're talking about Jesus and they're talking about Peter and who was all at the table, and now people are having, they're bringing up the thing of how close he was to Mary or how close was he to Peter. So who was he closest to? And and people are lingering saying that maybe he had more of a relationship 
with Peter than he did with Mary. And that's why he didn't touch Mary. You talk about Jesus? Yes. So there are... Okay, so theologically, I'll talk about our Bible and then I'll talk about the greater the greater theological question. Well, I, I want you to just break it down into common terms because, you know, it's as simple as you can. Because that has been, you know, you know, uh, the gay community always want to make somebody gay. So now they're trying to make people in the Bible gay. And, I mean, in theory, there are eunuchs. In theory, that homosexuality is, is of course, not a new thing. And there's 30 years of Jesus' life that we have no idea that, well, that's not in our Bible. Um, well, not 30 years, but, you know, from teenager until 30, there's those 17 years, 17, 18 years that we don't know. It's, it's, it's a question. It, 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 it could be, I, I think it's a stretch for us to, to say that, but it is a question for us to consider. And text, there are texts that weren't included in the Bible um, that we find all the time. They talk about close relationships um, that perhaps even uh, early Christians thought that Jesus was married and had children and how that bothers people. I think anything outside of the norm that people get, the fundamental Christianity that they were taught in, in Sunday school, people push back against. But at the same time, I don't think Jesus was gay, but that's just based on my own study. So we, I know some people who are actually atheists, mm -hmm. believe in God, or some people who just have no desire to commune or have a relationship. How would you, what would you say to a person like that to re-engage them or even interest them? I have members of my church who are atheists and agnostic who enjoy the conversations on spirituality, who enjoy the community that we have, who may either not believe in God or not believe in God the same way that I believe in God um, or may not believe in God at all. So I'm not... I usually, if I encounter an atheist, I don't try to, unless they have questions, I don't try to convince them to be a Christian. And, and here's my thing. We, at this, at our table, we, we are Christians. Mm -hmm. So, of course, we want everybody to make it to heaven. And so we have conversations with our friends. And I'm mm -hmm. sure, like you said, you have some friends, too. Mm -hmm. And we try to engage them, but we need to make sure that we engage them and have a safe place for them to actually explore um, spirituality. And so we, 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 we're looking for that place to tell our listeners, hey, here is a place where you can find um, comfort in, in a non-judgmental environment. What is your church address? What time is service? So we're at 6120 Ridge Avenue, um, 11 o'clock on Sundays. And we're in person 
right now every other Sunday until June so it's not too far away um, and June will be in person every Sunday but we stream online on Facebook um, every Sunday at 11 o'clock and they search you where? where what should they look up if they look up Facebook and you type in at S-T-P-E-T-E-R-S C-I-N-C-I that's our at St. Peter's Cincy C-I-N-C-I or if you type in you know St. Peter's United Church of Christ on Facebook you can find it that way do you make your people dress up or can they come as they are no I never dress up um I mean I guess not never every now and then I'll surprise them but yeah everyone is Christian casual or just you know everyone's casual so someone can come straight from the club and walk in there on a Sunday and they boot. Absolutely. I will probably be in Jordans myself, maybe a sweatsuit, maybe jeans. I mean, yeah, we're, we're pretty casual. Okay. Okay. Well, I think that's all of our questions. We thank you for speaking with us. Um, this is AJ. This is Bryce. And we are Filter, No, no Filter, Filter Brothers. Brothers. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Derek. Thank Hey, what's up, y'all? This is AJ. This is Bryce. And you can find us on multiple platforms, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Audible. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We have a new phone number, 513-401-5715. And our email is filternofilterbrothers at gmail.com. So download, listen, like, and share. Mm-hmm.